typically, when a New Year's rolling around, there's all kinds of thoughts and emotions going through your mind about, is this going to be like last year, or is it going to be worse, is it going to be better, you know, is everything going to be the same, am I still going to be in the job that I like or don't like, all kinds of emotions and thoughts run through people's minds, is my relationship going to get better or worse, you know, what's it going to be like? And sometimes people think about that and they think it's all up to chance. Like, well, maybe, you know, it's like if I'm lucky or if I wish. But I have good news for you. If you're a believer, your life is not up to chance, which means your next year is not up to chance. Your next year is destined for you by the Lord Jesus. It's destined for you. There's a plan laid out if you want to follow it. And I guarantee it will be good because he's good. And he said he works all things for our good. He's a good God. I'm going to get into a message here. And the Lord has given me a message already for the new year. I know this is the last weekend of this year, but I want to give you a word for the new year that the Lord has brought. And... I was in prayer about it this past week, just asking the Lord, well, what do you have? And I, I pray for my family. I pray, obviously, for the church as I leave that. What is your word? Praying about 2024, I heard these words. This is going to be the best year ever. And I know right now some of you are like, well, that's easy to say. Sure it is. This is going to be the best year ever. And when I heard that, I was praying to the Lord, and I was like, you realize, if I say that, they're going to be like, yes, if anybody can say that. And you know, if God gives a word, there should be scripture to back it up. There should be a purpose, a reason why he would say it. Now, even now, by your response when I said that, I know lots of you are wondering. A few of you, you just grabbed it just like that. You went, yoo-hoo, it's mine. And others are like, well, let's see what he has to say. And then there's a couple that you already made your minds up. It's not going to be the best year ever. Did you know that? A couple of you already made your minds up. It's not going to be. Guess what? For you, it's not going to be. Unless by the end of the service, you decide different, that you want to receive it. You see, any word given from God has to be received, has to be believed and received, or it does nothing for you. Just like salvation, what an amazing thing it is, but it has to be believed and received. So God has something for this year, and it's good. Now, what does the best year ever even mean? That was my first question to the Lord. What does that even mean? Now, here's a general idea of what I believe it means. It's going to be the best year we've ever had up to this point. This word is for you and I personally for our homes, our church, and our community. Okay, so this is a word that goes beyond just myself or our church. And I want to say this right from the get-go. Don't worry. The following year can still be better. The word is not this year's good and all the rest of your years are bad. I remember one time someone prayed for me. This was many years ago, and they were praying over me, and they are like, Lord, he's going to have the best year ever. And the first thing that came to my mind was, what about all the rest of the years? And I actually stopped them. I'm like, does that mean I can't have a better year? 
I was bold like that. Hold on if you're going to pray that. He's like, no, you can have the best year ever next year too if you want. But do you want to receive this? And I was like, yeah, I do. And he he continued to pray. That came back to my mind really quick when this word came. So that's good news for you. But we're about to head into 2024. Everybody's in different spots in their lives, different ages, different works, jobs, different things. And all of you right now are rolling through your mind what next year is going to be like for you. You see, sometimes people believe that the best year ever already happened a long time ago. And when I was doing this message, I actually a couple times wanted to change the title to the best year yet. And the Lord wouldn't let me. He said, no, I want you to keep it the best year ever. Because when you say that, it brings up emotions for people. It brings up thoughts of the past. And did you know that many times people are stuck in the past? There is a year they can remember that was so amazing. That's the best year ever. Did you know that if you have decided that the best year ever has already passed, then you can't have a best year ever coming, can you? It's already passed for you. And if you live in the past, how can God take you forward to your full potential now? Okay? The best year ever is not a year in the past. You've had some good years, I can guarantee it. Even now as we're talking, you could probably think back to some great years. Maybe the year you got married. Everybody look at your spouse and say, it was definitely that year. Okay? (laughs) I was one of them. Maybe the year you had your first child, if you have kids. You think back, that was amazing. And if it was your first child, it was probably really difficult too. But we have years where we can think, maybe it was the year you graduated high school. There are some great things that God has done, but God is amazing and good, and he has even greater things that he wants to do. Jesus himself said, you're going to do greater things even than what I've done. He had that attitude and that understanding. God has greater things ahead if we'll believe it. You see, this can be the best year ever because of the God we serve. You see, the Lord who we serve wants to do even more than you and I can imagine. There's a verse, I'm going to read it, Ephesians 3, 20. This is from the Living Bible. It says, Now glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us, is able to do far more than we could ever dare to ask or even dream of. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. That's the God you and I serve. He wants to do beyond what you can even hope for. So yes, this is and can be for you and I the best year ever. So if he wants to do that, why does it not always happen? He's a God who's good. He wants to, but you and I play a part. You see, the Lord wants to work everything for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. That's Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You see, 2024, I believe God wants it to be the best year ever our church individually and yes our homes and our community 
But the word is only true if we want to believe it and walk in it. Let me give you a little bit of scripture. Mark 5 and verse 36. It says, while he, meaning Jesus, was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, don't be afraid, only believe. Okay, Jesus was on his way to heal this man's daughter who was very sick. And while he was going, a lady who had an issue of blood stopped the whole crowd. He stopped. He healed her. And by her faith, her belief in his power, she was healed. While they're talking, somebody comes from the ruler's house and says, you, you don't have to bother Jesus anymore. It's all over. She's dead. Just leave him alone. And Jesus says, hold on a minute. I was on your way to your house to heal your daughter. It's not over if you believe. If you believe. And how do we know that the ruler believed? Because he said, okay, Jesus, let's keep going. Those people who had come to him and said, don't bring him. He said, no, I'm going to go with what he says. Let's keep going. You see, keeping going in the direction God has asked you is really important. It is an act of believing. If God has told you something, you're heading there and it's a rough patch, it doesn't seem like it's working, what did he last tell you? Because whatever he last told you, you keep going in that direction. And I guarantee you, he will be faithful to his word. But if you quit, you've decided to quit believing. Mark 9 and verse 23. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. In this story, Jesus was talking to the father of a son who was possessed and who a devil was trying to kill. He would throw him in the fire and the water and he wanted his son healed and Jesus said this to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. This story is quite interesting because the father first says to Jesus, if you can heal my son, please do it. And in the New Living Translation, Jesus replies with, if I can heal your son. No, if you believe, then it's possible. This was a really wise father, and he said, help my unbelief. <laughs> what wisdom is that? If you're having trouble believing something, ask the Lord, Lord, if you've spoken this, help me believe it, because right now, I don't know if I do. Be honest with him. He doesn't want fakes. And by the way, faking isn't believing anyways. Fake it till you make it is not a scripture. I just want to tell you that. <laughs> now, when we talk about the best year ever, often people think the best year ever, maybe that means more money, more stuff, or more expensive stuff, or if I could win the lottery. Did you know that often in a world where they don't know Jesus or have hope, some, some that's their only hope. They're just like, maybe one day it'll happen. But... A new house, a new car, more wealth. The Bible actually clearly tells us a really blessed life doesn't just come because we get more. 
Solomon, the richest man ever, found out what really makes life better. You see, Solomon had more wealth than anybody alive. And he even tried everything he could with his money. He didn't hold anything back. He actually says that. I held nothing back. I tried everything under the sun. And he came to this conclusion in his older age. And he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And by the way, I believe he was a little depressed when he wrote that book. The Lord obviously allowed him to write it because there was some truth we needed to hear. But he says, all is a waste of time. Vanity. Vanity. Nothing matters. You're like, this is the word for the new year? No, no, we're going past this. Hang on. But he had everything, and I want you to see this. When I see and feel in my spirit that next year's going to be the best year ever, don't think you're all going to win the lottery. That's not what it's about. <laughs> Solomon didn't have to win any lottery. He had abundance beyond abundance. But he realized that abundance wasn't what made life good. As a matter of fact, he found out it sometimes make it worse. Let's listen to what he said in Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 18. He writes a bunch of stuff in there that's like, blah, 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 you know, nothing matters. And then he says this, here's what I've seen. It's good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him for it is his heritage. And verse 19, as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. For he will not dwell unduly on the days of his life because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. Okay, let me interpret a little bit. What is he talking about? He, before this, talks about how somebody was wealthy, but they didn't have health to even enjoy it or eat it. He's about another guy who had health, but he was poor. And he just says how it seemed like everything was messed up and unfair, and he comes to the conclusion, people that are happy, because he looked at the people in his kingdom, the people who were the happiest were not the richest or the poorest, they were people who enjoyed where God had put them. They enjoyed the work they were given. They enjoyed the life they were in. They were content with what they had, and they had the health to eat it. They had the health to enjoy it. Solomon was wise. And for you and I, if you're always thinking forward, I just know I'd be happier if or when. That tells me that right now you're not happy. If your happiness is always in the future, you're unhappy. Did you know you can be happy today with right where God has put you? You can be joyful today right where God has put you. Because truly, that will make you the blessed you can be. Solomon finished out his entire book of Ecclesiastes with these words in Ecclesiastes 12, 13. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commandments, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. You see, having health, 
rejoicing in the blessings God has given us and serving Him will guarantee the best life ever. You're like, no, no, that's too simple. Let, let me read that again. Having your health, and by health, I'm talking about complete health, physical, spiritual, mental, all the areas. Being healthy in your relationships, your home. You can be healthy as a horse and have big muscles, but your home's falling apart. Health in those areas will make this the best year ever. You see, and having the best year ever first starts with you and I. We're going to be doing some series in the new year to look at this. And if you attend our church, you know, sometimes I'll do a message and in it will be the next few messages. Today, each of the points following will be a series, which means I'm barely going to touch them right now tonight. But I want to show you something that God wants to do in us to give us the best year ever, our church the best year ever, and our community. And this is what I believe he's saying. To have the best year ever, we need to be healthier people. You can be healthier, and I'm talking in all areas. Okay? A healthy mind, body, soul, and spirit. John 3, 16 and 17, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That word saved means to be made whole. To be made whole, mind, body, soul, and spirit. That's what he died for. For us to be healthy in him. Again, when I speak of health, I'm not just speaking physical. Health is a wide range of things. Luke 4 and verse 18 and 19, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus the one who came to make us completely whole. He was anointed to do it. Did you hear what he said he was anointed to do? Brokenhearted. That's mental. That's uh, the soul. He came to deal with blindness. That's actual physical healing. And he came to set the captive free. That's spiritual. And he came to proclaim the good news. Church, Jesus already paid it for us. If we can walk in it, I guarantee this will be a better year. Now here's the cool thing. For you to have a better year, you only need to be a little bit healthier. In whatever area it is that you need to be healthier. All right? Your year can be better if your relationship's a little healthier. It can be better. See, to have the best year ever, we need to be as healthy as we can be. And I believe no matter what your situation, you just need to be as healthy as you can be. And when you do that, you will be better. I'm not going to go any deeper than that today. There is a ton of 
statistics and stuff out there about the importance of health. But to have the best year ever, and this is my second point, we need to make healthier homes. And I said be healthier people because that's just up to us. But our homes, we need to make healthier homes. There's action required to have a healthy home. Healthy homes don't just happen. Ask the person who does the laundry and cleans the house and all that. I wasn't putting my hand because I do all that. I'm just saying, you know, ask them. But there's more to a healthy home than just being clean, isn't there? Healthy homes in all areas. Proverbs 25, 24 says this. It's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. Okay, we're just moving on. I do not want to get anybody upset. <laughs> hey, it could be said the other way too, but it was said this way in the verse, so I quoted it. There's a saying, happy wife, happy life. Now that is not a scripture, and I often wondered, well, how come there's not a saying the other way around for the husband? You know, happy husband, happy... Nothing rhymes with husband. I know, right? Listen, for a house to be healthy, husbands need to be happy as well. Husbands and wives. I heard one husband say, yeah. Any other husbands you'd like to be happy? They're like not even going to say there. This is dangerous ground. Okay. (laughs) They're just going to laugh. They're not even going to talk. Okay. Listen, husbands, you play a really big role in the health of your home and, yes, the happiness of your wife. You see, Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. If your wife is unhappy, it's possible that you're not showing her any love. It's possible that you're ignoring her, taking her for granted. Possibly you're not sacrificing anything. You're just lazy and you want everything. This is going way too far tonight, isn't it? Okay, we're just going way over and you can pick some ground in there. Husbands, you play a role this year in a healthy home. If you're here single tonight, you play a role in the health of your home. If you're the only one in your home, you're in charge of everything in that home, whether or not it's healthy. But I believe God wants us to have healthy homes. And of course, one more verse in this as we just touched the surface. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Homes that have children, you have a great role in making a healthy home in how you train your kids. Again, that is going to be a series in the new year. I'm not going to go any deeper. To have the best year ever, point number three, we need to make or have healthier churches. Just like a healthy home, a healthy church doesn't just happen on its own. And because we live in a sinful world, health has to be pursued and you have to go after it. The opposite generally tries to happen gradually when you do nothing. You can be unhealthy without trying. Is that true? You can get more unhealthy without even trying. But to get healthy, you've got to take some action. 
Let's just talk about physical fitness. If you want to be physically fit, well, you're going to have to exercise. You're going to have to take some time. And it's not necessarily going to be easy. But when you commit to being healthy and you step into it, taking action, things change. Who here has ever exercised? Okay. Who has ever given up exercising? A few honest people. Everybody has given up at some point. You're like, I'm going to do this. It's my New Year's resolution. I'm going to exercise every day. And for the first week, (laughs) you don't miss a day. Second week, I'm just going to take a break on the weekend. Third week, I'll make sure I get Tuesday and Wednesday. Fourth week, yeah, boy, am I ever busy. (laughs) It happens. We stay healthy on purpose when we commit to doing it. You see, we need healthy churches, and healthy churches happen when we agree together to work together for the mission of the church to make sure that we deal with issues and that we forgive and that we communicate and move forward in a healthy way. Because obviously, a healthy church can affect and reach our community far better than an unhealthy church. Just like a healthy person can do their job far better than an unhealthy person. All right. Hebrews 10 and 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You see, to have a healthy church, people have to attend regularly. People have to work together with one another, building one another up, motivating one another to acts of love and good works. That's a recipe for health in your church. Not complaining or motivating one another to fight, but motivating one another to good works. And that's a good recipe in your home as well. Matthew 23, 23. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. A healthy church has people who understand it's not just religious duty, you serve him with your heart. There are so many ways we can serve him. And yes, for a church to be healthy, there has to be committed believers who believe in tithing. It's just how the Lord designed it. That's scratching the surface. Let me move on to another point. To have the best year ever, we need to make healthier communities. See, our church was not put here just for us. Our Church and our person, we were not brought to Slave Lake or born in Slave Lake just to make sure we looked after us. Did you know that Christians don't just look after number one? It says that we're actually supposed to lay down our lives for his sake. And laying down our lives for Christ means we're going to be reaching out to people all the time because that's what he did. We're going to sacrifice that other people can meet him, that other people can be healed, that other people can find out how good he is. So to have healthier communities, we need to make sure that we 
are here for our community, not just ourselves. The church was never meant to be hidden away, storing food underground. We don't even have a basement, so we can't do that. I just, if you're wondering, we were never meant to do that. We were meant to be going forward. We were meant to be busting down the gates of hell, defeating that kingdom to set people free. How do I know that? Because that's what Jesus said his church would do. He said, the gates of hell won't be able to stand against my church. The gates holding that city of hell. He's talking about a kingdom and an evil that was in the world and they're held captive. You and I aren't supposed to sit and just worry about our stuff. We're supposed to, in prayer and through our words and actions, be pulling people out of the captivity that the devil has them in. And church, God wants us to reach our community. He wants us to reach our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors. And if we get healthy, we will also have a healthier community. Have you ever sat and complained about your community? Well, I don't know about Slave Lake. There's all these bike thieves. My kid lost his bike and my neighbor's kid lost his bike. Yeah. That's, that's about as bad as you can get in Slave Lake. No, you can open the paper to the, the court section and there's lots of terrible stuff. Well, how does that change? We'll complain about it more? Is that going to change it? Call counsel and get mad at them. How are they going to change it? Well, if we had more police. Well, then go take your police training and join. I'm serious. There must be a policeman in here or two. Complaining doesn't change your community. Getting healthy and reaching into our community will change our community. Going and being where God has asked you to be in the community will change that area of the community. Being in, uh, on council, as one member here is, that helps change our council. There's a voice of someone who serves God and believes things should be a certain way. Making a difference. Is it all about him? Of course not. He would have quit a long time ago. What is God asking you to do for your community? He wants us, and I believe we will get to see a healthier community this year if we press in, if we believe it. Where is he asking you to make a difference? Because Proverbs 11 and verse 11 says this, By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Are we here to bless our community and change it? Or are we going to join in with the complainers? Did you know when you run down the thing that you're a part of, you get to live in what you ran down? Life and death are in the power of your tongue. If you're a part of it, build it up. God put you there to build it up, not run it down. Proverbs 11, 11 in a different version says it like this. Upright citizens are good for a city and make it prosper. But the talk of the wicked tears it apart. Uh huh. That means your talk should build up your city. Your talk should build up your church. Your talk should build up the place you work. Amen? You see, it takes only a few small changes to bring more health. 
The more positive changes, the more health. And this will for sure be the best year ever. I want to say this for a minute. Maybe you're here tonight and we're taking that word health and you're thinking, well, I have a chronic health thing. And I feel like you're being hard on me. I believe that Jesus can heal any kind of health issue. And I believe we should always pray and believe for it. But even if it doesn't happen, you can still be the healthiest you can be while you're working through it, while you're getting healed, if that's what you're believing. Be the healthiest you can be, and this will be the best year ever. Believe in faith for the impossible, like Jesus asked, and you have no idea what he might do. Tonight, I'm looking around, and I need to say this as we wrap up. If you're not yet saved, if you haven't asked Christ to forgive you and come in your life, then that is the greatest thing you can do to make this the best year ever. Ask Him to come in. Ask Him to be the Lord of your life, to follow Him and to go where He leads. If you do that, I guarantee this will be the best year ever. We're going to pray a simple prayer tonight. In case there's one here who maybe has not prayed and asked Christ into their life, we're going to pray that together. Maybe you once served God and walked away. Well, we're going to pray and you can ask Him to make you whole once again. You see, Scripture says that to be saved, you need to believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth. And so we say a little prayer that just allows you to say with your mouth what's in your heart. And we believe that is a beginning of serving God. Him. So just repeat that after me today. I'm going to ask you to join in, all of you, for that one or two maybe tonight that haven't done it. So pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you now, forgive me of all my sin. I thank you, Jesus. You paid the price for me. I receive it now by faith. You are my Lord and my Savior. Amen.